0: Hello again everybody, Life Scottnick in a windowless room inside the Journal News newsroom with uh, Vincent Mercagliano, our uh, baseball writer for covering high school baseball. Uh, and of course, uh, this is the second podcast of the season. And later on, our guest will be John J. East Fishkill head coach Eric Frink. But uh, Vince, a couple of uh, emotional games you've been to in the past couple of weeks. Um, Dom Ciciri passing away, the longtime Eastchester head coach. And then uh, shortly after that, and we talked about that significantly in the first podcast. But then uh, this past week, Bill Casey from Austining passing away as well, um, a guy with a tremendous will to live. The next day, um, of course, Austining goes out and wins a or Ossining goes out and wins a very very emotional game. And then uh, today, you uh, go to cover Eastchester versus Sleepy Hollow, and it's another emotional one. Is uh, Eastchester able to walk off after? Uh, just a series of, of things that happened in high school baseball, reaching on an error, a couple of walks, and, uh, and then all of a sudden a walk off hit. And um, it was kind of a really, really special atmosphere there today. Tell us about it. Yeah,
1: both games, it felt like there was almost some kind of divine intervention with the way that they went. In both games, you know, you had the teams that were going through these emotional experiences, jump out to fast starts. You know, Eastchester had a lead early in their game, just like Austining had in their game against Mayapak on Saturday. They both had to respond to adversity. In, in, in Austin's case, Mayapak comes back and takes the lead in the late innings, I believe in the fifth inning. In the case of Eastchester today, they were going to close out a game 4-2 in the seventh inning. They were three outs away from the win. Sleepy Hollow rallied takes a takes a six or I'm sorry a five four lead Eastchester quickly regrouped though I mean part of me was thinking when I'm watching it like man that that really has to stink for these kids they were just so close to having a really really big win in their first home game since their coach passed away they had a really emotional pregame ceremony where they unveiled his his uh, number ten uh, in their dugout and they had his his uh, helmet sitting on his seat where he would usually sit uh, sit in there and part of me was just thinking. You know it's tough, but I don't know how they're going to emotionally respond to this now that they lost that lead. But like you said, they rallied a little error, they took advantage of it, and then it was uh, it was a freshman, in fact, who ends up getting the game winning hit in and Doria. And he comes, he gets up there first pitch outside. He takes it to the, he takes it the other way. Drives in two runs to give them the give them the win and. I go to talk to him after the game and his teammates immediately mobbed him and poured ice all over him. But once once we let him dry off for a minute or two, he told me that Coach Desiri was always on his case about going the other way and that a lot of people felt like because he was a freshman, maybe he didn't belong on varsity. And you know, I guess for him this was a moment where he really not only felt like he belonged and, and came through for the team, but because of what it meant to the whole community. I mean, there was so many people there to watch this game and it was just it was just a really, really, really touching scene afterwards. I, I was hanging out with the athletic director at Eastchester afterwards, Jay Carroll, and you could tell that, that it was starting to hit him hard. He was telling me, you know, after a big win like that, he would usually sit around the field with, with Coach Asiri and, you know, they would be BSing and talking and laughing for 20 minutes, half hour. He'd have his wife calling him asking where he was and You know, you could tell that he was missing that in that moment. That, as emotional as that win was, and as great as it was for the kids, I mean, I felt so good to see those kids and how, you know, it was just pure happiness. It was one of those moments that you can only really have in a sporting event on a baseball field like that, where you forget about all the tragedy, you forget about all the heartache that you've had, and in in that moment, the kids just celebrated, and uh, it it was just, it was. I was really glad to be there again. Really, really emotional day. Same thing went for Austining. Uh, and I was really happy in, in both cases. You know, Usually we don't, we don't root for teams for the, for the most part in this, in this business, but those are two games where I can say that I, I was glad to see Eastchester come out with a win and Austin come out with a win because it was the kind of uplifting moment that, that the players needed in those situations.
0: Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Bill Casey. Uh, you wrote a column about him this past week, and, um, you know, he's a former sports writer here at the Journal News before he transitioned to a career as a fifth-grade teacher in the Austining City School District and uh, as a coach up there. And, you know, he never stopped fighting uh, until the very, very end. Um, it was something you wrote about last year when he went to the Philippines for – uh, some treatments that that had not yet been approved by the Food and Drug Administration in the United States. Um, you know, he was—you said he was swinging for the fences then, and uh, even even up right up until the very end, he was always always thinking about the Pride baseball team. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. I mean, within a span of
1: six days, you're losing two. Great, great, great men, and you know, in Casey's in the in Casey's situation, he doesn't have the accolades that Ciciri had. You know, he's not the all time public school wins leader in New York State or anything like that. But I mean, this was just a man who who really did everything for the right reasons. And what's interesting, you know, for me in my interactions with him over the years was that he actually had my job in the '90s. He did a lot of our baseball writing, I believe, from '93 to 2000 or something like that. And so he was great, just about totally understanding what I was going through. I I could always ask him for advice about whatever it is that we were writing or whatever it is that we were covering, and he would always bend over backwards to get me whatever I needed because he knew what it was like to be on the other side of things. And, you know, my conversation with him last year when I wrote that column before he went to the Philippines, that was definitely one of the most emotional interviews that I've ever done. I I went back and, and went through all my notes from that time before I wrote the column, and it, it, it was just I, I just remember being so struck with how positive this man was I mean he, he was telling me the doctors are telling him there's nothing we can do maybe we can slow this down but your time is limited and he just refused to accept that and you know it, it really hit me talking to some people you know about like everything he went through to go through the Philippines you know financially what that might have done but I just think that the message that he sent by saying, I'm going to keep trying. Like, you know, he the, the quote that I used in the column and the quote that I said, you know, really has stuck with me for the past year since we had this conversation is that, you know, he's not taking pitches. as coaches. You always preach guys to go up there, be aggressive and take a hack, always give yourself a chance. And, and Bill was really trying to give himself a chance. And he had so much to live for with, you know, a beautiful wife and, and young twins. I mean, that, that, that's really the most heartbreaking thing is that, you know, that those twins are going to grow up without their father. But I know that they've got, he's got so many good friends and family and, and coaches that respected him that are really trying to rally around them. Uh, I, we had shared the link, uh, that people can go to, to to help raise some money for his children to eventually use for their college funding. And it, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, it, this has been the most reflective and tough week that, that I can remember around here. And again, as we said last week, it's just the, the one thing that has been really consoling and that and has been really nice to see is how much everybody in this area is rallying around these guys, how much they meant to everybody and, and how much it, it's really kind of making everybody look in the mirror a little bit and not take the little things for granted that, you know, maybe sometimes when everything's going well, you don't think about.
0: And obviously the families of Bill Casey and, and Dom Ciceri are in our thoughts uh, now and, and for the rest of the season, to say the very least. Um, moving on to happier things, the weather is finally cooperating, and it feels like baseball season. You know, it got up into the 60s the other day. Uh, it was close to the 60s today with actual sunshine. There was no rain. There was no rain. So some of the fields have uh, dried out maybe a little bit. Races are beginning to take shape. Uh, you move John J. East Fishkill, and we're going to talk to Eric Frank, their uh, head coach, a little bit later, to number one in Class AA, which uh, they beat Fox Lane 5 nothing today. What does that say about uh, John J. East Fishkill? Well,
1: it says maybe we were finally right about something. Uh, I, I, I had a feeling that Fishkill belonged in the number one spot in the beginning of the year, and I think this win over Fox Lane kind of validates that. It was a five nothing game. Uh, you know, coach will explain it a little bit later in our conversation. But they wiggled out of some trouble in the late innings to preserve the shutout and make sure that Fox Lane didn't have any dreams of a comeback. And so. At this point, I, I feel pretty confident about John J. East Fishkill, although I will say that I'm very curious to see how they look once they get into their league schedule. As we know, Ketchum is a defending champion in A, and Arlington is coming off of a nice win today over Horace Greeley, and you know they can never be counted out. So we'll learn a little bit more about Fishkill once they get to that league schedule, but this win over Fox Lane is definitely a big one for them.
0: Let's go to the other side of the river. You went and saw Suffern on Wednesday, um, and it's going to be interesting. They're going to be in there, North Rockland and Clarkstown South, all in mix. Yeah, I'm actually hearing good things about Clarkstown South. Uh, you know, they get overlooked a little bit in that league because North Rockland
1: and Suffern have really dominated for, for quite some time now. But I'm hearing from coaches that saw Clarkstown South, especially down in Florida, and they like what they see. North Rockland was off to a great start. They started 4-0 with the win over Ketchum, the win over Mamaroneck, really notable. They lost their first game today against Kingston, which is a Section 9 team. But they're 4-0 and they're undefeated in Section 1. And I liked a lot what I saw from Suffren in that win over over Yorktown. To me, the lineup one through nine looked like they had guys that could hit. They've got some young guys. I wrote about Dylan Hoy yesterday, their shortstop, who came through with the big bases clearing double. They've also got Jack Scanlon, who's a big first baseman, can play some catcher. He's also only a sophomore. He's like 6'4, so he doesn't look like a sophomore, but he's only a sophomore. And he was throwing some darts off the mound when he came in on in relief, can swing the bat. Suffren's a team that, that I like a lot, you know, based on what I saw yesterday. So all three of those teams, I think, will, will be in that mix in AA.
0: Um, on the sound shore, Mimarinic, 0-5. Uh, what's going through Mike Chaparelli's head right now? Well, I, I'm sure he isn't entirely
1: pleased. But with that being said, Mimarinic is playing in a tournament right now that features some of the best schools in the country. I mean, there's nationally ranked teams in this tournament that they're participating in down in Florida. So those losses, three, I believe three of their five losses, won't count towards their Section 1 seeding. Those are out-of-section games, and I think, you know, to take lumps in those type of games against perennial powers, not only in the state but in the country, is probably a good thing for them in the long run. and uh, 5 doesn't look good, and they got off the schneid today with a, with a win against another out-of-state out of team. I forget which one it was, but they're 1-5 now, so they did finally get that elusive first win, but... I think what it tells you is that you know maybe Marinick isn't quite as dominant as we've seen them in, in years past. Now, they've got a lot of time to write the ship, but I do really like in their league what I'm seeing from White Plains so far, and I'm very curious to see how those two teams match up once they finally get to meet.
0: A little further up county, uh, the Hendrick Hudson Sailors, number one in Class AA, now running up their record to 6-0. and They threw a no-hitter against Austining today. Yeah, that was a combined
1: no-hitter today with three different pitchers getting into the game for Han Hud. The guy who pitched the most was a sophomore named Nick Caruso. I believe he went five and two-thirds before giving way to a couple of, of relievers. But, yeah, at this point, I felt like I had no other choice but to make Hen Hud the number one in Class A. I'd started the year with John Jay there. John Jay has won two of the previous four Class A championships, so I felt like until we saw somebody beat them, that's where they deserved to be. But John Jay started the season with a couple of losses while Hen Hud's been really hot at 6-0. and So I felt like Hen Hud's got to be the team there right now. But, again, as we've said before, I think Class A might end up being the most unpredictable of all the classes this year.
0: And speaking of John, John Jay, they got their first win today after a, uh, a rough start there. Yeah,
1: they needed that. They beat Rye today 3-2. to two. I think that, that kind of gets them back on track a little bit. They're young. We know that. They're playing some sophomores, even freshmen, guys that did, don't have much experience. They graduated most of their starters from last year. But John Jay is definitely a team that I think, as the year goes on, we'll see them continue to make improvements.
0: Uh, elsewhere around Class A, uh, you've been somewhat impressed with Tappan Z Harrison and Beacon. Yeah, I, I,
1: right now I'm sort of thinking that those are teams that looking, are looking like they might move into the top five for next week. We'll see how things shake out this weekend. But Tappan Z is off to a really nice start. They beat Byram and Niac while they were down in Florida, and, and they, they did so pretty handily. Uh, Beacon's a team that's going to be playing in the Spring Bash Championship tonight. So I like a lot what I'm seeing from Beacon that they've been doing pretty well in their own tournament. And uh, Harrison is a team that with the Hendler twins, we spoke about them last week, looks like they have some pitching and might be able to do some damage this year.
0: And then Class B, Briarcliff, they've got some hot bats, and they're uh, 6-0 and already. Yeah. I had uh, uh, Same with Hen Hud in, in Class A, where I felt like I
1: had to move them up. Briarcliff, same deal. At the time that I did the new rankings, they were averaging over 11 runs scored per game. I mean, that's... That's pretty outstanding when it comes to offensive production. So Briarcliff continues to roll. They they had their first test against a larger school this week when they went to play Austining in Austining's home opener, and you know the emotions Ron Austining side that day. But Jack Ryan, who's a junior, probably Briarcliff's ace. I've heard some pretty good things about him. Uh, he came out and threw an absolute gem, from what I'm told. So if you combine the pitching that we're seeing from Briarcliff with the bats that are putting up double-digit runs per game on average. I like Briarcliff a lot right now.
0: And then finally, we'll go to the Catholic schools, which uh, scene over there is getting wild. Iona Prep took their first loss this week. Stepanak lost three straight after starting 4-0. Salesian, though, looking good. Yeah, Iona Prep, you know, I have them number one overall in our top ten and number one in, in terms of the
1: Catholic and private schools. They're the defending champions. We know that. They took their first loss this week against Monsignor Farrell, which is the team that they beat last year for the title, so you know Farrell was itching to get back at them a little revenge in that one. I wouldn't make too much of it. Talking to Coach Mahoney over at Iona, he said their defense was a little sloppy in that, but he felt like it's something that they could clean up, and they did bounce back with a win in their next game. Stepanak, though, is a little more concerning because, you know, if you lose one, you lose two after a hot start, that's expected. But once you start getting into the losing three-in-a-row kind of territory, you really want to see your team get back on the right track, especially after how good Stepanak looked to start. But I will say Salesian's a team I wasn't expecting that much from this year, and I'm impressed with what I've seen from them so far. Uh, they have a winning record at the moment. It's a very, very competitive league, and they're doing more than holding their own.
0: All right, well, uh, where are you going to be this weekend? I know um, Sunday, probably not going to be any games. Uh, going to have some ham. Um, maybe maybe get out in the sun and uh, take a walk with the family if it's nice. But uh, Saturday, there's going to be some baseball, I hope, and probably tomorrow too.
1: Yeah, well, uh, no, Sunday, first off, I should say, correct you, is, is lamb. We do lamb and we do monogot. Oh okay. <laughs> That's the tradition we're in my family for Easter Sunday. And I hope everybody has a great Easter. But actually you no know, tomorrow, uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to a day off on Friday. I'm playing my first round of golf this season, which is probably going to be ugly, but I'm meeting up with some old college buddies. I'm sure we'll have a good time out there. And then tomorrow night is probably the meal that I look forward to even more than Easter. Going over to my mother's house, and she's going to make a absolute feast of seafood with you know all kinds of relatives coming over. So Friday will be a lot of fun, and then Saturday. Did you know that we're related?
0: Because I'm, I got the invite. Your mom called, said I should come over. Uh,
1: you, you, as long as you bring a bottle of wine, they will
0: gladly let you in. I promise you that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so Saturday I am planning to do a doubleheader. Saturday there's a lot of really really good games on the schedule. I had so many options, but. I saw an opening there to possibly do two games in one day, so I'm going to take it. The earlier game I'm going to do, as I mentioned, I really want to see White Plains play Mamaroneck. They're playing at 11 a.m. in Mamaroneck on Saturday. Based on the rest, I think that both teams should have their aces available. I don't know for sure. This is just speculation. But we could see Spencer Lodes... And true, uh, for White Plains and Truman DeVitt from Amaranick, both of those were nine who shine guys for us in the preseason. That would be a heck of a pitching matchup, so I'm crossing my fingers on that one. And then later on in the afternoon, in a rematch of the Class B championship game from last year, Briarcliff, who we mentioned is red hot, will be taking on KO, and we know Briarcliff is going to want to get a little revenge in that game. So I'm hoping to be able to hit two games that day as of now. That is my plan. And then Sunday, obviously, will be Easter with the family.
0: Sounds pretty good. Did, uh, where are you playing golf tomorrow? Van Cortlandt in the Bronx. And uh, what uh, brand of golf balls do you prefer? Whatever is in my bag. I, I don't know. I'm, I haven't played since last year, so I have to see what I have left over. I was hoping you'd specify a brand name so I could go buy stock in the, uh, the company. But, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, that's all right. That's all right.
1: Um, Van all, Cort- all I'm hoping is that I have enough in my bag to get me through the day.
0: Uh, I'm sure you will. And if not, believe me, I know from experience, there are plenty of balls to be found at Van Cortlandt Park. Yeah, I believe the oldest public course in America, correct? It is. In fact, you know somebody who wrote a master's thesis on that course. (laughs) Yes, you've taught me a lot about that course. So at any rate, we wish everybody, uh, obviously, a happy Easter, uh, a blessed Passover. Um, And we're going to be back with another podcast probably next week. But for now, we will go to Vince's interview with John J. East Fishkill head coach, Eric Frink.
2: All right, and now we're joined by phone from Florida by John J. East Fishkill coach, Eric Frink. Eric, how are you doing today?
3: Good, Vince. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing all right. How's the weather down there? Uh, high 70s, low 80s, and a little cloudy,
3: but no complaints compared to the northeast weather of the last month.
2: Yeah, well, that's for sure. Well, it's actually been pretty nice uh, this week, but yeah. That's, that's what I heard. heard. Yeah, but it's definitely a little nicer than what we're dealing with up here. Well, first off, I want to ask you, you, you mentioned the beautiful weather. I know you guys got in a game against Fox Lane down there, even though you guys are both from Section 1. I guess you had to go all the way down there to meet each other. And uh, as many people know, you guys currently, you guys number one, Fox Lane number two, are 1-2 in our Class AA rankings right now. So that was a game that I know a lot of people were interested in. You guys come out of it with a 5 nothing win. Just tell me about how it went and how you felt like you guys performed against a really quality team in Fox Lane.
3: Well, absolutely. Um, Matt Hillis is a personal friend of mine and runs uh, beyond a quality program. And his longevity and success, you know, I admire. And, you know, I, I want to hold that as as a, one of the standards of excellence in the sections. We have many teams like that um, because of the condensed schedule and um, start date and end date um, with the rainouts, you know, pretty much neither of us wanted to back up our schedules even more because um, we'll be pretty close to almost halfway with our schedule done next the, next Saturday um, with playing so much. Um, so, we yeah, we we just, you know, we're tight. We talk all the time um matt's a, a go-to guy with advice and technical things and and we're friends um so um you know we just talked and said let's just play it down here we're both at the same facility and we rolled it out and played and um i'm really proud of the way we played defense um you know we worked in and out of out of some tough spots trent valentine you know battled uh all day and um You know, really toughened up when he needed to, and Stephen Shone came in and cleaned it up. And uh, the Bats did what they had to do at times. You know, we're still getting timing down. We've had a whole bunch of scrimmages and and a lot of work over the course of the seven days we've been down here. So we're in a much better spot than where we left off um, a week ago.
2: You you mentioned Shone coming in. I know you described that situation to me as bases were loaded in the fifth inning. That was a really important moment in the game. Yes. Uh, this is a guy that sounds like he does everything for you. So, so how confident were you were throwing him out there in, in that type of tough spot?
3: Steven's been with us since he was a freshman. Um, we called him up midway through to play first base. He pitched very limited. Um, but he's been taught right as a, as a youth and he's tough and he wants, he always wants the situation, whether it's the ball hit to him on the mound um, or at the plate and um, you know both of those guys were well rested and that was our plan coming in um, you know his pitches were 20, you know 21 pitches to close up to and change which was great uh, and he came in in a really really tight pinch and uh, induced a pop up on the infield and did a really really tough and good job but you know experience and toughness and all of that came, comes into play um, with many of the guys you know a lot of them have been around for three years and some of them a majority of them were with us, uh, last year with the sectional run that went very deep, but short, um, you know, fell short in the end. So, you know, they understand, um, pressure situations and we try to work that a lot and how do we handle it in all aspects. And he's, he's one that it doesn't phase him, you know, if, if all bets were off, he would take the ball anytime, um, any place, anywhere. And we have a lot of guys that are like that, um, that don't shy away from, Competition, and I'm very proud of them, and, and proud of that aspect of the culture of the team.
2: Well, yeah, you mentioned Stephen throwing two and change to get the save today. He also had three doubles and a couple RBIs, which, which is a pretty nice day for for one of your big guys out there. But you also mentioned that as a whole, this group is really, really experienced. So tell me a little bit about you know what you guys are working with in terms of the guys that you have coming back. I know you have only three seniors that were on the team that went to the section semifinals last year that graduated. Right. So, well, a lot of teams that I've talked to in the preseason were discussing how they really needed to, you know, reassess and figure out who their go-to guys were going to be, I think you guys seem like you're in a position where you feel like you have a lot of experience and, and you have a lot of your positions already settled.
3: Well, we lost six seniors, but three were starters, and we lost three okay. pitchers. Um you know, when I took over three years ago, um we were kind of senior heavy and we also kept a lot of younger guys. Um, you know, the three guys that just graduated are all playing college baseball. Um and they all played as sophomores in the program. Uh, I believe I was an assistant at the time. And then the next year I just brought up more and, and as time went on, midway through Sean included as a freshman were called up and we kinda turned it over to them and uh, we lost a really tough, tough sectional game in the first round after, a, uh, what do you call it, a play-in game, now bracket game against, uh, East Ramapo. And we really showed some grit and I saw the light turn on even in defeat with them. You know, I think we lost four to two to Tim Zendauer, who was, you know, obviously a really great D1 pitcher, uh, commit to Siena. So I saw it and I said, you know what? We started so many young kids and we, we were pretty close albeit nobody wants to lose, I said okay this this is gonna be good and we just were patient um there were some things in my demeanor and philosophy that had to change, and I took the whole summer and got a lot of advice and um you know just got a lot of these kids ready last year, and we were very junior sophomore heavy um and then they grew and then they worked and they work and they work and they work from the you know, all playing summer ball to a fall instructional league to winter workouts and conditioning that we do. And, um, you know, then we hit the season running and they work even harder.
2: Wait, let me ask you, though, about managing expectations, because I know we've joked a little bit in the preseason about, you know, you you not wanting the target on your back. But w- when you do have that much experience and when you do feel so good about your talent level, you know, what has your message to the guys been about, you know, what you think they can accomplish? but then also how they have to manage, you know, throughout the season.
3: You know, obviously everybody wants to bring home a title, but we can't, you can't put that in front of, in, at the forefront. If we take care of the things that we need to on the day-to-day, everything else is going to take care of itself. You know, we, we've we just developed a culture of, you know, it's it's today. It's not about tomorrow. You know, it's been documented in the papers of some of the tough things that we've gone through over the course of the last calendar year almost, um, between one of my now juniors coming down with leukemia, you know, my mother passing away, um, and getting sick right at the almost the same time as uh Brandon was sick and my you know my mom not making it and I had some type of uh emergency surgery right before the season started. So it's been kind of um interesting and we try to focus that nothing's for granted. You know, tomorrow is a, a complete gift and just enjoy today and, and they're really focused we know what we're playing for and we play for each other and we know who we're playing for you know we've dedicated the season to brandon who we're hoping comes back next year and he's on his feet and you know me personally i i, I don't ever put myself in front of this team in terms of um, my my needs or wants because i'm just the, you know i'm just the guide of this but you know also playing for my mom who i you know was really tight with and we lost her right before christmas so they stood by me and i have stood by them you know through some tough times and it's just a, we don't really look at expect you know there's there's no pressure i know you know i was kidding with you about the target you know we're not we can't focus on that it's the last ranking that matters not one and this is no disrespect to your line of work the ranking in april means nothing it's the end of may is where you know you want to be ranked number 1 as every class a you know b c Um, So we're not really focusing on the whole pie. We're just focusing on a piece, you know, and if you, if, you know, I've done a lot of readings, Nick Saban, um, a lot of these guys, and you focus on process, Pat Summit, you know, they all talk about focusing on what you can control, focusing on the here and now. And if you take care of the little things, the big things will not be a problem.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I, I definitely think that that's a really important message that you're trying to send there about, you know, taking it day by day and treating every day as a gift. And I know a lot of people around the Section 1 baseball community right now mm-hmm. are feeling the same way with everything that's been going on. And I'm really sorry, you know, about everything with your mother. And I, I hope Brandon's doing a well, uh, pretty well. Do you have any update on him for us?
3: He's, he's, um, he went golfing last week from his dad.
2: We, we're in, we've been in contact, you know, sending prayers
3: back and forth throughout. He's got a special family. The kids go over and, and they saw him um, after a work, uh, practice one Saturday. Um, you know, losing a legend, which you know none of us can probably ever equate to, is Zom Cesare, And then a, a true, true winner in life, Bill Casey, a hero to many people. You know, someone I've had many discussions with about baseball, life, my mother, his his treatment. You know, going to the Philippines. I asked what he, you know, what he went through because you know, is that an option for us when we were going through this? Um, and nothing's guaranteed. You know, I learned. You always hear it and say it, and then I think we all saw it. You know, my staff um, and the kids and, and obviously my family and Brandon's family. Um, you just learn you can't take anything for granted. And, you know, so many times you go through life and you don't appreciate moments or you don't appreciate the ride. And it's not that I'm trying to duck away from anything. You know, we haven't we haven't done anything yet. You know, we've won two games. We made a nice run last year. Uh, but there's a lot of other teams that have a ton of success that, you know, we're just trying to, to dig our own niche.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I totally get that. And I, I definitely think that you guys seem like you, ha- you have a pretty good handle on things. And, and we do feel good about your potential. If a lot of these things fall into place that you're talking about, but
0: right.
2: one guy I want to ask you about who you've added to the mix th- this year, which I know you're pretty excited about is uh, Johnny Tutillo, who, who is a catcher for pine plains last year. I got a chance to see him play in years past. And, He's a really impressive kid behind the plate, defensively, really strong arm, great pop time, and I know he handles the bat pretty well. So when you have such a tight-knit, you know, well-rounded team and you add a kid like him into the mix, what does that do for your squad?
3: Oh, when Johnny came here um, the first day, I really spoke to him, was the first day of practice for him uh, after his um, transfer, and I said, I want you to understand something. Um, you don't have to be the man here. You have all this diff- great skill that I've heard of, and and the first time we got outside, I got to see um, how legitimate this kid is. But I said, you just have to be a part. You don't have to carry the weight. And I said, no one. There's nothing that anyone else won't do that you don't have to do. Um, and, and he, you know, he carry equipment. He's not a, a diva, and he's not a prima donna. He is one of the guys. He's yucking it up, you know. Travel ball really helps a lot of these guys because they all play with each other or play against each other. Um, and he played for um, Connick, so he knows a lot of my guys. He knows some guys that graduated. Um, you know, so the circle's really a lot different than when we were kids with baseball and summer and stuff. Um, and he's been a, a wonderful addition, you know. And, and we had a, a potential three-year starter in Jack Matero, who will catch, and he's DHing right now. And, and I want to say... Um, that this young man who's going to play college baseball at Manhattanville has handled this tough situation personally with nothing but class. And that's an a testament to him, and I think it's an a testament to the program, you know. I know it's tough, Um, and Jack's Jack's still the heart and soul of this team, you know, amongst others. But I'm so proud of how he's taken this. You know, there was a new kid that came in town with this insane pop time that I have never seen. I've never seen this before. I've coached, you know, 17 years. Johnny's got a God, a gift from God and, and a whole lot of talent. And we're just trying to fine-tune him and pass him on to Stony Brook in a better, better spot than when we got him, just like any coach would, you know. But he fits in great. He yucks it up. He's got a great personality. He's not, not an arrogant kid. And I love that about him. That when you tweak him and say, hey, this is what needs to be done. Yes, thank you, coach. And it's not phony, you know. And he fits in great, and you know, obviously, we're thrilled and glad to have him. Um,
2: yeah, that, that's pretty cool. And I'm really glad to hear that the Jack's taking it well. Because, like you said, I mean, that's a that's a tough spot if you've been if you've been the starter and you, you know you're going in and expecting to be a starting uh, starting guy again, and the, this new guy rolls into town and takes your spot. To be able to take that in stride and, and recognize what's best for the team, I think that's really important.
3: And it's made Jack better. You know, I mean, you've seen it with the Yankees with the changing of the guard with, with Girardi and Posada and Posada and McCann, you know, phased out. It's about helping the other guys and, and it's great that these guys are all pulling together. You know, I don't have any attitudes. I don't have any egos. You know, we have kids, Trent Valentine's going to Division 1. We have tons of kids going to D2, D3 and they're all about one thing. And I think the toughness, um, comes from what we've gone through as, as, a, as a unit. You know, I really, I think the outside stuff has really made us aware of, hey, it's something I say all the time, it's we before me. Mm-hmm. And um, Jack, I am so proud of his um, maturity with this, you know, and and he's going to catch. You can't run the catcher into the ground. We're going to play a lot of games in a lot of days. So Johnny is also very versatile, too, I can move him around. Yeah, Um but I'm, not, just to reiterate, yeah, I'm really happy with Jack and, and how he's handled it with such class and such
2: maturity. Yeah, no, that's definitely good to hear. I think the last thing I want to ask you about here before we let you go, just to kind of size up, Devil A, I mean, I know, I know you, you know, you pay attention to what's going on in the Section 1 landscape. And as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we do currently have you guys ranked number one, whether you guys like that or not. That's <laughs> what it is right now. Yeah, we but, don't um, have a choice. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but,
2: but but beyond that, I mean, you know, your league is always tough. I feel like, to be honest with you, when, when we're talking about who's the favorite to win the section, whichever is the best team in your league, I think is usually the team that you have to mention first. I mean, Ketchum has won, I believe, three out of the last four or five titles. So so you know Ketchum's always going to be there. Arlington's a tough program. You played another great program today in Fox Lane. Yep. Um, Mimarnick has had some early struggles, but you know by the end of the year they'll always be there. So, so when you look around right now, what, what do you see?
3: I see, I see. There's there's a handful of teams that could do it. You can't sleep on my man Marcel in White Plains. You can't yeah. sleep on Ron Gamma and Sufferin'. You cannot sleep on North Rockland ever. You know you you, talk, you can never sleep on Arlington and Catchem. You know those, that, if you look, you know a lot of those teams I've mentioned have been very successful. You know, Mamaronek, Arlington, Ketchum have probably dominated the section. North Rockland is always in the mix. You know, Austin White Plains and Fox Lane is always, always in the final four because Matt does such a good job. You know, Marcel is a, is a great coach. You have a lot. Clarkstown South is that we've seen them. They're not that – they're they're solid too. I mean, and with the wackiness of seating, um, you know – the amount of games we're all going to play in a row who, you know, it's going to be kind of like survivor. You know, the seedings may be completely wacky because of God forbid it starts to rain because it is April and it is yeah. New York, you yeah. know, I don't know how we can, we're not allowed to play triple headers, but any more backed up, we'll, you know, we're tied to the pole as it is. We're playing uh um, mother's day as it is. So <laughs> anything else is, I think we counted, we may have seven practices left by the time we get up, uh, tomorrow, you know, obviously we'll, we'll fly home tomorrow. But I think we have seven or eight left of the year, and that's that's rough because there's leaks. You know, you have to work on stuff. There's a list already from today. Things things we did well. We need to refresh, and things that we didn't do so well that we want to tweak. So it's anyone's game, you know. It's pitching. A lot of people have a real good one. You know, Horse Greeley has the kid that's thrown, you know, a Virginia commit. You now you see him. That's going to be a tough day. You know, Mount Vernon has a kid that's apparently really good. I have not seen them in, uh, since I was at Carmel. You know, they gave Yorktown a hard time. Yeah, so they, it, they they no hit them. Yeah, yeah. It's all going to come down. It's all going to come down to pitching and who you draw. I think because you're going to see some wacky draws. I mean, you know, certain schools have played five, six games already, so they're in they're in decent shape. Um, but you hit rain, and then you backed up, and. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have I Yeah, don't, no, I don't I have agree. the answers I,
2: to that one. I think this is definitely gonna be one of the one of the most unpredictable years we've seen in a while for a lot of the reasons that, that you just mentioned. I mean, you know, we talked about some of the, the key contenders that I mentioned at first, but you mentioned Suffren. I saw them yesterday at Yorktown. They are a really solid looking team. They they get yep. one through nine in that lineup. Yep. They've yep. got some guys who they've got some guys who can chuck it. Yep. I'm excited this weekend too, in a couple of days I'm planning to catch White Plains the Maronick. Uh, oh, which, good. which I think should be a really good one on Saturday. And I obviously want to come see you guys play soon. So sure. I, I think it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to go by in a flash because like yes. you said, we're fitting a lot of games into a short period of time. But I think it's going to be really exciting to watch how everything unfolds.
3: Yeah. I think we need to find a way to tweak it and fix it. We, you know, I know they're always working really hard too, but we got a late start and then an earlier finish than usual. When I first started coaching first round of sectionals, I remember when I was at Peekskill, we played Harrison in the first round on, on Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. So I, that's listen. It's, it's not any criticism. It's I, I don't
2: make the rules,
3: and, and I'm not sit on the committees. But we're, everybody's really condensed.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, trust me. I mean, you are not the first coach that said it to me this year. So uh, we'll 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 see. I mean, we'll try to keep, pay close attention. We'll keep our fingers crossed for some good weather in the next few weeks. That would definitely help everybody's cause. Yeah. But uh, again, Absolutely. it's gonna be it's gonna be condensed. It's gonna be crazy, but it'll, it'll definitely be a lot of fun to watch. Listen, Eric, I really appreciate the time. I know you guys are probably, you know, driving around going from hotels to fields and all kinds of stuff like yeah. Taking a few minutes.
3: Thanks, Vince, for everything you do for all kids, not just you know, not just today's conversation. It's so appreciated to keep everyone informed and you do a great job. It's really really good for baseball. Thanks so much.
2: I appreciate it, Eric. Thanks a lot, man. So I'll talk You're to welcome. you soon, all right? Get you back got safe. It. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye bye.